go. Wonderful. Well, I'm Shaz Jones. I'm the host of Bible Hacks podcast. And I'm wondering if any of our audience listening today has ever had not enough sales or had a negative sales experience where they just feel a bit icky about the sales process. Well, you are going to love my guest today. I'm joined by the amazing Deb Brown-Ma. Welcome, Deb. Thank you so much, Shaz. Good to be with you. <laughs> I, I know you're going to help so many people today. I want to start, though, with when did you first discover the joy of profits? When was your first sale? So I was only eight years old. I was wow. one of those kids that was always needing projects to keep me busy. So my mom bought me this little metal loom and cloth loops that you could weave into potholders. And I, because I love color, as you can see in the background for those <laughs> who are looking at the video, I made upwards of 30, 35 different color patterns and themes. And my mom looked at me and she said, I don't need that many. So <laughs> I got the brilliant idea to walk around the neighborhood and ask the neighbor ladies if they might want to buy a potholder. I charged 25 cents and lo and behold, I sold out. It was amazing. It's so eight years old. Yeah. But so who was your first sale? Um, that was Mrs. Stevens across the street, and she bought three. Three? Three. Thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Which just encouraged me to keep going. Yeah. That's an awesome first sales experience. I can see why you would be enthusiastic about sales, but some people don't have that amazingly successful first experience. So I read something on your website, this is a quote, using any form of manipulation to get a sale was not an option. Now, Deb, what does manipulation mean to you? Like, how would you define it? And why was that the first thing that kind of stopped you? Because I think that's a genuine concern for a lot of people. And if we can talk about that today, I think it will help people. Absolutely. It, so let's define it first. Okay. I would say manipulation is any time I try to get someone else to do what I want them to do. Okay. So Don't we do that all the time, though? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it violates someone's right, God-given right to say no. So uh, okay. high-pressure sales will only accept a yes. And the tactics are formulated around collecting yeses throughout the conversation to gather buy-in so that the person is more likely to say yes to buying the whole thing. Right, okay. And if you think about your own experience, when someone has interacted with you with that kind of motive, how does it make you feel? 
Yeah, you do feel icky. You feel like they're pushy and you're under pressure and it's, yeah, it's not a very pleasant experience. It's not respectful. No. So whenever I try to impose my will on someone else, that's manipulation. That's a form of control. Right. No one wants to be controlled. So even... Christ didn't try to control outcomes. Okay. He he taught, he explained, he offered new perspective, but then he allowed each person to make their own decision. Right. So it's a control element that is that is sort of manipulation because I think Often, like, I'll say, I'm going to the movies and I want my girlfriends to come with me. And so I want them to do what I want to do. But it's because I think they'll enjoy the experience. You know, I'll, I'll enjoy it more if there's someone there. So it's not like I'm trying to control them. I'm just giving them an invitation to participate, really. Exactly. And, again, you can apply that concept to sales. I'm not trying to control, I'm not trying to make you buy what I have. I am offering something that may or may not be helpful for you. If I don't offer it, how would you know it exists? So I need to make the offer, but then I need to allow you to decide. And, And that only can happen effectively when there's been a dialogue. Because we all define words, we, we define our understanding based on our experience. Mm-hmm. And if, let's just say, look at, I do sales coaching. If you've never had a coach in any aspect of life, you'll have some kind of preconceived idea what sales coaching is about based on your experience, which is very limited. You might think sports coach. You might think someone who comes along and makes you run and do sprints and, you know, build your muscles. And you may coach evokes that kind of understanding, right? So then there's confusion. Well, what does that mean to have a sales coach? So this buyer who has no experience with sales coaching is starting at a disadvantage, starting a conversation with me at a disadvantage because they really don't know what I do. So they're somewhat vulnerable. So I need to respect the fact that they don't understand what I do until I dialogue with them. And I'm gonna take it a step further Rather than tell them what I do, I'm going to engage them in dialogue and ask questions to understand their situation. And as I understand their situation, then I can explain sales coaching in that context. Okay. So now I'm speaking a language they understand based on what they've shared with me. So it increases their ability to comprehend what sales coaching is. 
but I haven't expected them to figure me out. I'm going to seek first to understand them and then explain things in a way that makes sense to them. Because that positions them to make the best possible decision for themselves. Yes. So I really like that because, first of all, it's others-centred, which is, you know, the golden rule. (laughs) Um, It's very kingdom-focused to be others-centred. And also because it it reminded me when you were saying that you uh, give them the language or allow them to establish a context in their language. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, it says they heard it in their language. I think it says it three times, their language, their language, their language. So that's that's a beautiful way to approach, but that's the Holy Spirit way to approach sales. It's very kingdom. I love it. (laughs) Now, I'm really interested in, in your communication methods. And in, on your website, it says that the communication methods of Jesus opens the door to harvest. So I would love you to talk more about what you mean by that. How does it open the door to harvest? Well, harvest for us who are in sales is we get compensated for helping someone with our product or service. It's also relationship. We earn the right to be in relationship with people. And let's face it, when we think about harvesting souls, it's hard to accomplish that unless you're Billy Graham and you've got (laughs) and the whole engine, right? It's hard to accomplish It's hard to share the salvation message without relationship. Yes. Because you run the risk of sounding like you are manipulating, imposing, trying to convince someone that you've got the right way to do things. And if they don't agree with you, they're wrong. So Mm. evangelism done incorrectly results in the same negative, icky feeling as doing sales incorrectly. So what did Jesus do? If we read the Gospels, we can see a number of characteristics that he displayed regularly. I'll just name a couple of them. Please. So he he respected people's right to walk away. He never chased people. Okay. And let them make their own decision, come to their own conclusions. So what would be a Bible example of that? I've got one that I'm thinking about, but what, what would be one that you're thinking about? The rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternity? And the Lord listed the Old Testament. um, Yeah, help me. Commandments. 
And the young man said, I do all that already. So what else? Yeah. And the Lord said, you need to sell everything you own, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Yeah. Now, that is not the prescription that Christ gave to every single person. For yeah. this person, he was rich. He was described yeah. as the rich young ruler. Well, as you and I both know, it's easy to depend on money versus trusting the Lord. When you yeah. don't have money, it's easier to trust the Lord. When you have money, <laughs> it's easy to fall into the relaxed habit of trusting the money mm. instead of trusting the Lord. So for this young man, he needed to be willing to let go of his love of money. Mm. And, and also, I think relationship, because he didn't say just go and give it all to a charity. He actually said, sell it. So he had to engage in, you know, a two-way conversation. Yes, good mm. point. And so he walked away very sad. Yes. Yeah. says in the scripture. Mm. Jesus didn't go running after him and say, look, if you do it this way, it's really not that hard. You know, you can do. <laughs> I'll drop my price. <laughs> I'll lower my prints. Yeah. No, no. Well, if you only sell half of your stuff, then come follow me. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. He let him go. That's a good Instead, point. Instead, he turned to his disciples and said, It's much harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. The implication being, it's easy to put our trust in money instead of God. So that's one example. It's probably the that's most great. prominent. Yeah, that's good. So you. when you talk about the communication methods of Jesus, and one of the things that I love about your book is it's called Sell Like Jesus, but you don't start with looking at sales. You start with looking at Christ, and then you teach the sales principle from when we're looking at Christ and we see who is he, who he is. So I love that. I wondered what is one thing that our Bible Hacks audience could start today to do the same way like Jesus in their sales process? So it's in Luke, I believe it's Luke 2, 46 mm -hmm. or 48, where Jesus is in the temple. So the backdrop is the family has gone to Jerusalem for um, one of the holidays and his parents are headed back to home but he stayed behind and was talking with the scribes at the temple and this scripture verse it's like God took a, a flashlight and shined it on this verse it says he was listening and asking them questions Ah. And the Lord said, look at that. What did he do first? He listened before he said a word. Mm. We, in, in sales in general, because of the way it's taught, we are programmed, or not just taught, 
because many people haven't had sales training. But what we've learned by having it done to us, salespeople come with a pitch. Let me tell you all the great and wonderful things that my product or service can do for you, and you're going to love it. And if you don't, you're stupid. <laughs> you don't say those that last phrase, but that's the implication by yeah, approach. Let yeah. me show you. No, let me listen. Let that's me hear cool. you out. It goes back to what I said earlier. Let me understand you and where you're coming from. And then look at this. I'm still not telling you anything. I'm going to ask you questions, but my, my questions are based on what you've shared with me, not my prefabricated list of, okay, I need to know how many you need and what color you want and how big and when you want delivery. Those are only important after you've made the sale. They are important, but the timing, people usually ask them straight out at the beginning. Okay. Instead of learning about the prospect with questions like, help me out. What caused you to be looking for this now? What changed in your world? Tell me, tell me your story. And then I sit back and listen. And as I listen, I'm learning and I'm making notes of key words that the person is sharing, key phrases, emotions that they're sharing. And then I ask about those things because that will take me deeper in understanding why in the world they might possibly want to purchase what I offer. And then what exactly is going to fit the need that they have? Because could I help anyone improve their sales? I have to honestly say the answer is no. But again, traditional sales says, hey, if they can fog a mirror, they're a prospect. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, there are criteria that make it ideal, make someone ideally suited to work with me and me with them. And I'm going for the ideal, not the generic. That's great. So I heard you say then that the sequence or the timing is important. So you can still ask the same questions as you're asking now, but just put them towards the back end of the conversation instead of the front end. Yes. And that also you dig deeper when you hear emotions and, and to uncover deeper things. So that's a different way of communicating, isn't it? Yes. Let me pull it all together for us. Sure. We first need to ask questions about the person, their situation, and how they feel about their situation. Then, when there's a good fit, then and only then do we ask those products about or ask those questions about the product mm. or the service and work out those details because they are delivery details. What we're doing up front is the getting to know you. It's the relationship building. It's the trust building. Right. It's showing respect. It's 
caring more about the other than I do about myself. Yes, I want to make the sale, but only when it's right for both of us. And that's the mindset that has to drive our behavior or else we can easily tip over into that manipulation camp. Mm. Well, I really need this sale, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever I have to have to to close this. And if it means I have to cut the price in half, I'll do that. Never yeah. a good idea <laughs> because it undercuts you and them. Right. So I think a lot of people are sort of, they might be sporadic in sales or maybe they do some parts of a sales process, but you talk about having a system. So what's the importance of a sales system? Great question. Thank you. So a sales system, it, it only works when you use it and you use it because it works, okay? So there's, there's a structure to follow. And in sales, it goes basically like this. First, you need to prepare. So outside of conversation with anyone, you have to do your prep work. Then as you engage, set expectations for the sales call. So what the person can expect from the dialogue that you're about to have. So you're basically giving bullet points of an agenda okay. that, that bottom line helps people feel comfortable because they know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And it starts the trust building process because of how I teach people to do that expectation setting piece. Right. Next in sales, everybody knows you need to qualify people. That means they have to have a problem you can solve. They have to have the budget and the willingness to spend the budget, which is not just money, but it's often time and resistance to change. I find ah. that resistance to change holds up more sales than money. Interesting. Because we don't like change. And depending on what you're selling, there could be a learning curve where you go a little bit backwards when you implement before you see the full benefit. Mm -hmm. okay. And that makes people nervous. So that's that needs to be part of the sales discussion is talking through that resistance to change. So we've got problem to solve, budget that they're willing to spend, and then decision process. We don't usually think about, well, I make decisions in this certain kind of way. Yet, we all have a decision process that we go through. So we need to understand the prospects, decision process, what all is involved, who all is involved, so those three components make up the qualifying piece. And when you, you have to have all three. Okay. You have to have the problem that you are ideally suited to solve, the money to take care of the problem and the willingness to pull the trigger and say, yes, let's right. move forward. Once that 
is established, now you do your proposal if you have to. Many times you don't have to because the dialogue was so thorough, they're convinced. You may be in a business that has a quote process. So at that point, you're doing a quote, but you know 95% that they are going to follow through. So you're no longer wasting time doing quotes to the whole world and closing yeah. only 10% of them. And in the meantime, wasting your time on quotes for people who are never gonna buy. But if you don't qualify, you don't know, right? Mm. So that's the presentation part of the sales call. Or someone doesn't always buy right away and there needs to be follow-ups and deliverables and some back and forth, depending on how complex your sales process is. So that's where the follow-up and follow-through has mm. to happen. And at the far end is the evaluation. So we started with preparation. We want to evaluate to see what went well. What could I have done more effectively? How can I add to what I've already delivered? And this is where your add-on sales come in because oh. you've done such a good job servicing and connecting. People are open to hearing about other opportunities tomorrow. That's a really good point, Deb. I never sort of thought about that before because like on the first day of creation, it says, you know, God created light, but then he said it was good. So he's evaluating against some kind of standard yes. about whether it's good or not. But but you're saying it's not just that. It's like if I do that, then I can see other opportunities. Yes, which is the kind of business all of us want. It's really internal referrals. Yeah, that's really, really good. Okay, so we've got entrepreneurs and business owners listening to us right now. From what it sounds to me like, but correct me if I'm wrong or where I'm wrong, you didn't mention you have to have this software or that technology or this platform. Is there like a minimum viable sales system? Can I do it all just with a phone and a pen and paper or what do I need to have a system like that? Well, the technology certainly helps with calendar, setting appointments, follow-up to-dos, tracking of conversations, emails, notes. So yes, technology is extremely helpful. Um, but Shats, because I started sales pre-computers, <laughs> I still know some people who do it all on paper. Not my preferred way. As, as soon as I got my first computer in 1988, and the first thing I did was buy PC Novice Magazine and do the exercises to set up a spreadsheet to create files in Word because it, it's an organizing tool. And if you looked at anything in my office besides what you're seeing, you would see an organized mess because I'm a creative and <laughs> things find their way into piles. I, I, 
I have to, to help myself. I need a way of organizing. So I recommend any kind of system that you can live with. It's, right. There's not one that's better than another. Some of them are way overkill, depending on your business. So um, the best I can say is do some investigating, ask friends what they use, what they like, and put something into place that you can learn and do because the technology only works if you use it. Right. Now, I, I, when you were explaining what the process for that system was, and even just then when you were saying ask some friends, I'm like, I've got a thousand questions about <laughs> the preparation stage. <laughs> what preparation do I need at all? So do you have a, I think you have a course, do you, or, as well as the book or? I do. Does that go through some of that systems and processes? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. In fact, um, in the book, Sell Like Jesus, Seven Characteristics of Christ for Ethical Sales. I really focus on looking at the same leadership qualities that Jesus demonstrates that a whole bunch of famous people have written books about because leadership is a lot more palatable than sales, huh. right? Yeah. Same, same strategies, the same leadership strategies that Jesus, that people talk about Jesus using can be applied in the sales call. So really, Selling like Jesus is applying the leadership qualities of engaging with people effectively, helping build trust, build a culture of honor in every conversation, wow. be transparent and authentic, and let people make their own decisions, let them make their own choices. So then in the video course that I did, I really focused in on how to sell. And I go over every step of the sales process in detail with worksheets, with examples. And it's a lifetime access to the video training course. Wow. So it never so runs out. I, because my heart says, I want a short circuit everyone's learning curve. It took me 20 years to put this all together. It shouldn't take you that long because you can stand on my ceiling and it becomes your floor, your foundation to be able to rocket take off from there. So my, my whole reason for writing the book and doing the video was to make it easy for you to learn these truths. And they are kingdom based truths yeah but it sounds like that that has to be my next step is to, to get into that course and because having the yeah. worksheets and all that that would really help all, all the questions that I've got going on in my <laughs> mind so I need to work more deeply with you um but like I want people listening because I've done loads of research on you it's been so enjoyable thank um, you I've listened to podcasts, I've watched things on YouTube and, the book and all that sort of thing. So it's been great. But 
people listening might not know about your results. So I wanted to talk, I think um, it was Computer Associates um, where you were doing global sales, hashtag global. (laughs) Can you talk a bit about your results there and, and if it's different you know, from global sales to I've just started my home business. Is there things we can learn from bigger organizations? Well, it's interesting. I How I got to Computer Associates was in 2001, I did a brainstorming session about sales strategy for a startup company called Pest Patrol. And it was a four-hour session. I wrote up recommendations, handed them to one of the two owners, and he handed it straight back to me and said, we don't have anyone who can do this. Do you want to do this? Wow. I said yes. It became the opportunity of a lifetime. And together for the next three years, we built this software business. Uh, Pests were simply a new form of uh, virus, computer virus software and hardware viruses that were not being detected by the AV engines at that time. So new algorithms, and anyway, way too much information. (laughs) Um, So we built the company from seven, I was employee number seven, seven employees to 72 employees, Interesting. And at that point, Computer Associates bought us out. And they added our lone little product for we had a B2C and a B2B product. They they rolled our product into their whole suite of products. So it was a very different sales environment. I was blessed to be able to do training in the call center in Barcelona, Spain, um, where they had a multinational team. Um, It was great because I got to do the training in English, although I speak Spanish, but next speak, I'd have to learn a whole new language, right? So um, that, after about two years, the product became commoditized. So the sale, went into channel sales, which is not where I enjoy being. Channel sales is more about getting the mind share of the partners that you engage with. So some of the listeners may have partners that they sell through. That's a a different kind of sale than selling direct to the end user. So that, that was that experience, but that's kind of out of the realm for many of the solo entrepreneurs and freelancers that might be It's listening. a really encouraging story for startups though to yes to it is yes. to get acquired by you know such a huge company that's thanks that, for sharing that that's really it, cool. yeah it was a lot of hard work which everybody will understand but the, <laughs> the other um scenario that I wanted to explain is when the Lord called me back out of corporate and to restart my consulting business. And that was in 2007. He started saying to me, I want you to do
do sales coaching again. I dragged my feet because I kind of liked the regular paycheck, right? <laughs> yeah. The vacation pay. Yeah. So I finally stopped being double-minded and said, okay, Lord, yes. That was January 1st, 2008. And immediately what he did for me, and I'm, we're speaking to Christians who love the Lord and who are probably like we are trying to incorporate our faith into what we're doing, mm. not keep that line of separation. Mm. So I went on a private coaching uh, meeting to a woman's house and she, after two hour meeting, hour and a half, she got stuck. All of my practical, tactical sales stuff wasn't helping. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at her and I said, I don't have the answer here, but I know the one who does. Are you open to praying and asking the Lord to give us wisdom? She's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so we prayed and within 10 minutes, the Lord revealed well, that missing piece. And Actually, she, she had a whole new perspective. It was absolutely stunningly like mind blown, jaw dropped. Didn't <laughs> quite know what to do or say, right? So I'm leaving her house and I, I said, Lord, I just got paid to pray with someone. Is that okay? <laughs> and I That's heard an unequivocal yes it is okay it's what I want you to keep doing and I'm like okay I can do this so that was January of 2008 and what it did for me was open my eyes to seeing how naturally we can flow between the spirit and the natural mm. and how just asking, do you mind if we pray when you really don't know someone's position on that? Yeah. What are they going to say? Yes or no? If she had said no, I would have said, okay, yeah. we'll go a different direction, right? <laughs> but she said yes. And that started a... Um, three-year pattern that first year I and I'm going to be open about the money because this is this again it was hard work and it was following the lead of the Lord my first year I pulled in 30,000 in coaching dollars okay at the beginning of the next year I said Lord this is crazy but I want to triple that. And I did. I really didn't think about it past January. I just made that statement, made the declaration to him. And I, I grossed $89,000. Wow. I dared to get crazy and ask again and again I tripled 
270,000 because of relationships. A man, the man that ran the Barcelona call center that I trained at twice when I was at CA contacted me through LinkedIn and said, Deb, there's a guy, actually his name is Guy in London, who's looking for someone who's a coach, trainer with technology background. Do you want to talk to him? And I said, sure, <laughs> why not? And that started a relationship with a company out of London that resulted in a national contract here in the United States. I did the pilot program. I onboarded a dozen other trainers to help deliver the work. And we delivered a coaching program, coaching for improved sales performance that this same company, that was 2010, they're still using us today. Wow, that's great. So, so good. God is good. Yeah. So good. That's, and that, that's, yeah, really encouraging. I mean, the, the startup story, you know, from, from pests to, to CA, that was great. But to do it in your own business, on your own, you didn't have any other team, no? And to go, like, in 2008, something tells me that there was, like, a global financial crisis going on then. So, and for you to just, you know, start then. And then right? Yeah. Triple and triple again. That's really encouraging. Look, I know that... Um, People are going to want to work with you, and we've run out of time, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> so where can they go if they want to, um, you know, learn about those kind of stunning results? Yes. Um, the, and doing the, it in a way that is like Jesus. The best place to go is my website because everything is accessible through that, and it's simply debbrownsales.com. So there are no spaces, no periods, two Bs. So D-E-B-B-R-O-W-N-S-A-L-E-S.com. Great. So debbrownsales.com. And can they look for the book on Amazon or should they go to the website for the book? Well, if, they, um, if you're in U.S. or Canada, I can mail a hand-signed copy that's done through the website. Okay. Otherwise, Amazon, absolutely. There's Kindle and um, Softback. Right. So I, anyone who wants a signed author's copy can go to the website and get that. Because yes. I know a lot of people, I am one of those people that loves to get books signed by the authors. So that's really cool. We'll have to figure out how to do that. How, <laughs> how I can get that over to Australia. <laughs> Thank you, Deb, so much for joining us and for giving us so much value. I know that the audience is really going to appreciate it. And I definitely appreciate it. So thank, thank you very much. It's absolutely my pleasure. And I look forward to our next conversation because we've got so much more to talk about. <laughs> yes, a part two, I'm up for it. <laughs> okay, very good. Do you want to stop the recording?